0: Good day good friends this is amy lee san juan and i'd like to welcome you back to a cisco champion unfiltered episode a cisco champion radio spinoff series that gives our champions a platform to have casual conversations around a variety of topics focused on technology career and uh, other interesting stuff don't forget if you like our podcast subscribe wherever you're listening to us All right, today we are on number two of a three part Cisco Champion and Filter series on career. And we're going to be talking about how to get to that really meaty center of our careers, that space where you transition from early in career to something more established. And in particular, you're going to get some really great insights and advice from Cisco Champions. And in case you're unaware, Cisco Champions are established technology professionals who are not only super intelligent, super engaged with the community, and really passionate about learning. They have collectively, at least here on today's episode, at least a hundred years of experience to draw from. All right, let's get to know our Cisco Champion host, Bill. We're going to start with you. Who are you, and what do you do?
1: Hi, my name is Bill Mashi. I'm a network engineer at Iridium Communications in Tempe, Arizona. I've been working in IT for about eight years.
0: Fantastic! Glad to have you on today's episode, uh, Evan. You're up next.
2: My name is Evan Mincer. I am in the Philadelphia region. I am an information security manager working for a healthcare provider. Um, I have been in IT for, gosh, I must have the lion's share of those. It's twenty-something years. I lost count already. But I can be found on inter- on the uh, on Twitter at at Evan Mincer If you have any questions.
0: Great. Juliano?
3: Hello, Emily. I'm glad to be here. My name is Juliano Barros. I'm from Curitiba, Brazil, and I work as a network engineer for 18 years. Mm. So you can find me on LinkedIn and on Medium as Juliano Barros. Okay, feel free to contact me. Thank you.
0: All right, Michael, tell us about yourself.
4: Uh, I'm uh, Michael van Klei. I'm from the Netherlands near Amsterdam. Uh, I'm a, a technical consultant for a fairly large European VAR. Uh, I've been in IT since 2001, I believe. So that's already 20 years now. Um, and my Twitter handle is NL, which will probably be too difficult to spell.
0: Well, we'll have it in the show notes. <laughs> All right, Micheline, saving the best for last.
5: I am. I'm kind of at the <laughs> tail end there. My name's Micheline Murphy, and I'm a consulting systems engineer at a Cisco partner. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at, at Michy Murphy. Um, I think I'm the baby of the pack IT-wise. Uh, I've only been in the IT industry for, now i lost count, uh, five years or so. Um before that I was a trial lawyer. So this is my uh actually going on third career. That's fantastic. We could do a whole
0: blog series on your on your career to be honest. <laughs> All right. Okay, Evan, kick us off here with some background. Uh what inspired you to suggest this topic and what are you hoping our listeners take away from today's episode?
2: Yeah, so um you know, I've seen online a lot of people asking about how do I get into IT or how do I move on? Um, how do I switch from becoming a lawyer to to becoming working in IT? Um, but the big the big thing is for so this one's a little personal too. So my son uh, Dylan, he's he's 22 and and senior in college, about to graduate with an with an IT degree. And you know, how does he kind of get out there? And I I pose the question of you know how do I was thinking kids because of my son, but really anyone, how do you break into IT and how do you kind of move on and move up? And and this, it broke into three episodes of, you know, how do you, you know, the last one was, how do you break into it? Then, you know, this one is great of, okay, you've gotten an IT, you've gotten your first job. What's next? I mean, you know, some of us have had multiple jobs. So, you know, one of the things I think about as we move forward with this is, um, you know, you have your first job, but education, learning, uh, certifications are really important. So, so I guess the first question, and uh, you know, Michael, I'll put it to you: How do you balance paying for? You know, you have to pay for certifications or pay for education. But as you're, you know, just starting in work, you need that money to pay for other things. How do you balance?
4: Uh, well. Th- Actually, I have been uh, lucky. I've I've always been lucky on on that front. Uh, to be fair, because I've uh, landed my first job at a um, a con- company that was um, actively sponsoring people to to go after search. So I've I've always been uh, lucky. Um, but the uh, the most important thing, in in my opinion, um, is that. Uh, This this these certifications education is something that you help yourself with, but you also help the company you you work for. Uh, So um, whenever you are eyeing a certification track or something, don't be afraid to ask uh, your employer to chip in. They they might not chip in all the way, but uh, it's in their best interest as well. And uh, I've I've done that on occasion. I've I've um, um, well three years ago now. I've uh, gotten my uh, my CCIE, uh, which was of course a a fair discussion with my employer whether they would pay for it or not. Um, and my experience is if you ask for it, then they m- will uh, discuss it with you. So that's that's always a possibility.
2: Yeah, and if you don't ask for it, they obviously won't do it.
4: Yep. That
2: exactly. So so Bill, what are your thoughts on that one? How how do you kind of deal with the the education?
1: Yeah, I think that's a tough one because and I mean there's a discussion in Twitter every time you look up, you know, do you need a degree to work in IT? Is that something that's completely required? Or is the certification path, the self taught path, is that uh is that equally or just as good of a path to go down? And I think, um, you know, if your employer is telling you they're not going to pay for it, or you're in the position where you're not even working in a uh, a role where that might be something that your employer is gonna is even gonna entertain, there's so much uh, available. Available on the internet, there's so much available out there for you to take advantage of. Whether it's YouTube or something like a, a monthly subscription to something like a, I don't know a, a plural site or a, a CBT Nuggets or something like that, where you can you can get that education, you can get that uh, go down the path of getting your certification, um, and then you can start adding that type of stuff to your to your resume or building up your skill set. So. Um, I agree. Nobody's going to pay for it if you don't ask, uh, and it's sometimes it is tough balancing the cost of paying for that if if you're just getting started in your your career. Um, but there is a, a lot of free education out there to to get yourself started, um, at least on that path that journey.
2: So, so Micheline, I, I got to ask you about you're transitioning from lawyer into it. So obviously, you know, cause one of the, I guess one of the thoughts is, you know, you get into it that first job and, and where do you go from there? How do you choose the next position?
5: Oh, sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, and, and from my perspective, I come from, you know, the law is an industry where self-study isn't generally an option Um, here in Washington state where I'm, I'm located there. There's a track, to self-study or apprentice, but it's, it's, you know, it's not, number one, it's frowned upon and number two, it's, it's, you know, your, your education gets very hit or miss. The thing I thought was really cool about it is, is that there, there are quality, um, resources available if you're motivated and you're disciplined, and this is what you decided you want to do. It's going to be available. Uh, to you to be able to, um, self-study and, and initially I self-studied not just to get searched, but because I didn't know what the heck was going on. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what routers and switches were. And, and I, you know, and I, I didn't know what, uh, you know, a routing protocol was. So initially it was just for me to build foundation. So, um, now that I'm like mid career, Um, you know, the thing that I have to, to echo is what, what Michael was talking about is to have the conversation with your employer. If you're, if you're past your first job and you're, and you're in, in it, um, especially now where, uh, you know, talented it professionals are in really short supply, go have that conversation with your employer and say, Hey, I am interested in making myself a smarter or better or more skilled IT professional. What are you going to do to help me do that and have that conversation because as Michael said, it's in an employer's best interest to hold on to their their IT talent. And if they don't if they they don't value that um or they can't help you, you know, um that's a that's a I think a a difficult indicator of um of the quality of that employer um there are a lot of employers out there right now who are really seeing the value of investing in the skills that their IT talent has uh and you should look out for that um when i so i just recently switched roles so i'm smack dab in that kind of middle role that uh um uh, that we're all talking about you know one of the things i actually You know, when I sat down with the hiring manager, I'm like, tell me about uh, certifications. Tell me about education. You know, what kind of investment does, does the company place in, you know, seeing that their engineers have, you know, good certs, have access to continuing education? Ask those questions. I think it, whatever stage you happen to be in, you know, in the relationship with the employer, you should be asking those questions and getting that information so that you can make.
2: Yeah. Com- Communicating you know an important thing. Um, so, so Giuliano, um, I know we talked earlier about, uh, you have almost a canned response for how do I choose my next position?
3: Yeah. Yes. This is how uh, like I say everyone asks about it in every group, you know, um where you receive a proposal and okay, how should I choose the next position? okay, I have five simple steps, so I, I always talk about it so first uh, independent uh, about what you're gonna do do in English you know because um uh now with the pandemic, okay uh we can work from everywhere everywhere office, right that's the the topic now uh second do a research about some areas that you may maybe you wanna like to to work with like security data center i don't know maybe a, a lawyer uh the third filter those areas and technologies that are growing so you're gonna have more positions um otherwise you're gonna be stuck you know everybody has the, the this friend specialist in something, but we don't have positions anymore on the market. So it's kind of difficult. And four, test those areas ASAP, just to be sure you really like it, because if you don't like, don't be afraid to change, okay? You can always come back. Five, after validating all the, the, the steps, okay? Go ahead, like Michelle said, Um, my company won't pay for my CCIE, CCNP, or I don't know, the the certification, but you need to go for it because uh, it's your life, you know? Uh, It's not your company's life. So those are my five simple steps, and I would love to to know it when I was really young, like 20 years ago. It would make my life very easier because um, I got stuck sometimes and I, I didn't have anyone to ask about it. And it was really difficult. But those are my points, and you.
2: Yeah, that's great. So so I do want to key off one of those where you talked about, um, mm-hmm. you know, changing roles, you know, uh, you know, something's not working out. How, how do you kind of know when, when you need to change roles? It's not working out, maybe you need something different.
3: Yes, I was, I, I began as a network engineer after that, a network consultant and entrepreneur after that, and I opened another company, okay? And I came back as a network engineer for service provider and now for enterprise. So uh, uh, I think we need to fail. So we can learn to fail and and pivot very fast. Like, um, I don't know, someone here said, um, fail fast learn faster my my wife always says that but uh we need to know to move to to pivot fast because otherwise you are going to be stuck and your friends are going to a better better jobs and you sink with the the ship
5: i i i'd like to hop in here on this one oh, too because it. i think I think it's just more than just failing. Um, although that happens as well. I think that, um, as you move through your, your career as an IT professional, you need to be intentional about it. Um, for myself, my first job was as an implementation engineer and, you know, it's a highly technical job. Um, it was doing something that I really enjoyed doing Cisco ACI. I know that's weird. Um, but was it something that uh, was it something that you know uh, for me personally was the best fit? Well, I have all these skills as a lawyer, as a communicator that I was hardly touching uh, as an implementation engineer, and 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 I did some you know some difficult soul searching and said to myself, you know, at the end of the day, this isn't this isn't the best utilization of of me mish. And so, you know, I went on a journey myself and I, inter- I, I interviewed other people. I said, Hey, I've got these skills. I'm not using all of these skills. What do you think's out there that would be better for me? And, you know, I probably spent six or nine months just reaching out to people saying, Hey, you know, what do you think? Um, and I, so I think that exploration process for me personally was really, you know, important and, you know, some of that exploration was in in, in the form of, well, I'm going to, I'm going to apply for this job and talk to the hiring manager and see what this job is about. Uh, but a lot of it was, Hey, can I take you out to coffee? I just want to, I just want to talk. Um, and I, I think that. Giuliano's point is really well taken that if you, if you, if you don't be intentional about your, your it career and, and, and you just kind of go through your the motions and you do your job, but day after day after day, you're going to get stuck. Um, and so uh, I, I want to kind of echo that back and, and, and really encourage our listeners to, 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 to sit, to do it on a regular basis, sit back and think about. Am I am I happy doing what I'm doing? Could I be doing something different that will be more exciting, or or I have more passion for, um, and and if there is, how do I how do I get?
3: Yeah, and Micheline, I, I think, uh, could I also aggregate more? You know, because sometimes something that is really difficult for other people, it's really easy for you, and you could. Ch- it's like a blog, you know. If you write a blog, you can help a uh, hundred people. So why not? That's simple simple questions could help, um, and you could aggregate more for the community.
2: Yeah. So so Michelin, you, you kind of keyed on something, and I, I want to ask Michael this question. Um, you talked about taking someone out out for coffee to kind of uh, you know look at their mind, see what they're talking about. Um, one of the things I think about is you know it's 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 not always what you know, but who, you know, sometimes. So you kind of have to build that, that personal network. Michael, have have you, yeah, Michael, have you, have you done with that?
4: Uh, Definitely that, that personal network, that's, uh, that's the way you get your, your next job. So your, your first job is always nice and you have it. And, uh, that's when you need to start building that, that personal network, that, that human network. Um, because, uh at least here in the netherlands it's uh definitely who you know that will land you your next job so uh, i i got my current job just because i asked somebody i know i i knew um so um i think it's um it's important to um to show interest in the people around you the people you work with the the Customers you have, the suppliers you meet, uh, be open, be fair, uh, and connect. Because uh, without connecting to those people, they won't be part of your network, right?
2: Yeah. So, so yeah, just talking to them, and it's not always you know an IT thing. It's you know talking shop. It might be talking other things.
4: Keep keep space for for the uh, well, the the common chit chat. Like just well, I know you've got a dog. I've got a dog. That's that's some common interest we can talk about it doesn't have to be work related right yeah exactly
2: so so bill does luck ever play a role in it and getting that job
1: you know i don't know i don't i think uh sometimes you can be in the right place at the right time uh if it's at your organization and in a, a role is opening and uh like michael and michelin have said you've kind of built that network and you know the the first person people think about or that team that's hiring you know, the first person they think about is you because you've built that relationship, that rapport with them. I don't think you can ascribe that to luck. I think that's you putting in the work to do it. But yeah, I, I think sometimes, you know, if you're looking for a new position and you see something and it just kind of, you know, everything has kind of fallen in line, you hit most of the requirements or all of the requirements and you apply, yeah, I think I think you can be lucky in that regard, but at the same time I think it goes back to you've put the time and effort in to make yourself uh you you've sold yourself for that position. You've you've proven that you can do it um or you've proven uh if you don't hit every checkbox that you're a teachable person and uh the hiring manager or the team has decided uh yeah, maybe they don't hit every every spot but we're we're willing to take a chance uh and teach them the rest of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say
3: one time is lucky, two times
2: luck luck does not always happen every time. Yeah. So 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 luck is there but don't rely on it. Uh build that network. Um your network of peers and and learning and all that. But what about um I guess learning from someone who can help you out, you know, like a mentor. You know, mentors are, how how can you get a mentor?
3: Yeah, you need to search for for someone in, in my opinion about mentor you need to look for someone that's is, is in the position that you wanna be it's a, a person you wanna be like it's not a, a more like the position but more like the person like do you want to be someone that everybody likes or um, someone that the interest industry, industry uh, you are a, a how could i say a SME for 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 some tech um, or do you want to be someone with power or famous i think um, this is the first step what are you gonna where are you gonna uh, where do you want to be you know
2: yeah i mean a mentor does not always have to be that that senior person it could be someone yeah. that that has a different viewpoint that you might be able to just bounce ideas off of
3: yeah my my first mentor was the architect uh, an architect for my company I was intern right so my mentor was the architect i asked him everything to to get there so this is my first example
1: yeah i think too when it comes to finding a mentor um like we talked about you have to be in the driver's seat a lot of times of your career like you uh often People are, you know, they may be waiting around saying, nobody's teaching me this. Nobody is is taking a chance on me. But you have to put yourself out there. You have to be looking for somebody uh, to mentor you. I think one of the, the best ways to do it is, um, depending on what your role is, whether, you know, you're on the, maybe you're on the service desk and you're looking to make that move into uh, an operations or an admin role. Um, well, you kind of have, you have a a, a front row seat to seeing, you know, the people who you escalate tickets to, the people who are are doing that, that work, uh, and then you can start building again, you can start building that network, you can start asking people, Hey, I saw this ticket, I escalated it to you, I saw that you did X, Y, or Z to solve it. Can we can we talk about that? Um, or can we can you show me how you did that? Can you tell me what um you know how you learned that or something like that? And then that kind of starts building that relationship, and then you can you might be able to say this is a a path in my career I've been interested in going down. Can you maybe uh, can we maybe meet? Can we talk about this and give me some tips on how uh, how maybe I can move into a role like that myself?
5: And I think a mentor relationship has to be something that you actively cultivate. Mentors don't fall out of the sky. Um, you gotta go out and you gotta find it, and you gotta you gotta find that relationship, that person, and you gotta. Um, You have to actively nurture that relationship because a mentor, you know, for, um, for someone who is being mentored, you know, the relationship is often, you know, not, not unidirect is unidirectional. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the mentor doesn't get anything out of the relationship, but most of the benefit flows to the mentee. So you need to make sure that you're doing your part to make sure that the relationship is worthwhile to the mentor, and that kind of brings in something that uh, I think it was Bill who talked about it. You know, looking for mentors is also a really difficult sort of thing to do, I, I, especially for a, a woman in IT. There are so few women uh, in the in the i in the IT industry that you know it's hard for me to find a woman mentor. But you need to be really, uh, you know discerning, very particular about who you choose for a mentor. Is this person, somebody who, you know, you want, you admire and you, you, you want to, you know, emulate and why, you know, you know, think about, uh, those things that why would you choose somebody to be your mentor, um, is, you know, is almost as important as just getting a person to be your mentor. So, um, you know, be, uh, very, you know, intentional about it and be very, uh, it's not like, it's not like going on a blind date, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You you know, you're not going to go speed dating for a mentor. It's like, you know, it's like picking a relationship that you want to be committed to. Yeah.
2: I think it's important to understand as a mentee, most of the responsibility is actually on you. The mentor is there for you, but you need to ask Um, If you want to have one on ones, you need to ask for those. um, You know, if you're looking for something, you need to ask for those. And it's also kind of trying to decide, you know, where do you want to go, uh, you know, helping out because the mentor is not really there to say, this is what you need to do. You know, it's more kind of helping you kind of make that decision. But you know, you think about so not just mentors. There's there's other tips we can offer up. I mean, one thing I think about is is uh, people always worry. You know, oh, I'm going to have to Google everything, and I'm not going to look. and the, the smarter people know everything. I still Google constantly, but I'm really good at googling. You know what are what are what are some other tips that that we can offer up?
5: We're all and, laughing, and by, by because the way, We're all googling yeah. that right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and feel feel free because one of, there are problems with googling, as we all know.
5: I like to, uh, so I take like, you know, Googling is part of being a lawyer as well, except, you know, lawyers get to charge for their Google time. Uh, uh, so, you know, one of the things that I learned as a lawyer about Googling is that not only do you need to be savvy on how you put this, make the search, but once you, you search and you have, you know, your returns, you have to be, um, you have to be savvy about which returns you actually go to and trust, and it's not a security thing. It's a you know, am I gonna am I gonna go to a Cisco white paper about OSPF and take my 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 config advice from from a source like that, or am I gonna hit you know um, Bob's blog uh, and not know anything about. Blog- about Bob. Now, Bob might be, you know, a CCI times over and written for textbooks, in which case, yeah, I would trust Bob's blog. But you got to do your research on the source just as much as you got to be able to do the search, uh, you know, to to be able to put together a good Google search. So there's multiple steps in being able to Google, you know, like a like an expert, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Don't don't take everything for granted, and and maybe you know, if if you see the same uh, response at a few different places, it's probably a a good thing that 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 response is correct. But if it's one person and that person doesn't know what he's doing, and you don't know that,
5: actually, I'm going to push back on that because I've seen in some I've done some Google searching where you come across the same. Uh, the same language over and over and over again and you can tell that the language has been cut and pasted across like multiple authors uh, and it's often in the context of of uh, you know maybe technology that's not very well explained or you know uh, new technology so you got to be also really kind of careful about that because yeah that's
2: a really good point
5: yeah you got to like chase that language down to where did that language actually really come from? Especially if you're seeing like the same quote over and over and
3: over again. Yeah. You got to be careful with the Googles. Yeah. So first Google searching next. Yeah. Well, next make sure you're <laughs> doing it right. So, so what, <laughs> yeah, what, what exactly.
2: I guess what other, what other professional tidbits?
1: I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to experience too, especially when it comes to the Google searching, um, it being able to discern, like we've talked about is this, is this valid or logical information? Um, or is it, you know, like Michelin said, is it just copied and pasted? Uh, but I think, and you know, as you progress in your career, you start figuring out where to look, not only how to Google, but maybe what are the the websites or the the resources that you find the best information from. Or again, going back to building that network, if you're in online communities or you're uh, in a, like a local user group or like a vmug or a Cisco user group something like that those are great places to to bounce information off of um you know maybe there's a, a networking discord or a Cisco online uh the, the the online community something like that those are great places to look to the
0: the Cisco yeah. champion program perhaps
1: absolutely yeah, maybe. but, but maybe. the people
2: that are new don't have that luxury that we have. Yeah, I, but but it's a really good point. There are, besides Cisco Champions, there are other options out there where you can you can bounce ideas off of it, off of people. Uh, the Cisco know, Learning a, Network? Yeah, there you go. You know, Cisco does have some other, other alternatives there to look at it. So, so I guess let's move into the next topic. You know, besides the, the technical things they need to know, what are soft skills that people should have that, that they should build? Michael, you want us to try that one?
4: <laughs> well soft skills that's that's uh well uh, we've uh touched on on communication skills of course um, but um you know one thing I always find very important which I'm actively looking for when I'm doing an interview for a, uh, a candidate is um uh, people who take ownership so uh, they, they have to be responsible they they have to own up to um to what they do what they uh, don't do uh, um, say what you do and do what you say, that that kind of stuff, um, and that that's well. It might not really be a soft skill, but it's so important as a um, well. Well, yeah, I, but I think
2: so, I think something important there is to understand that taking ownership does not mean you have the
4: answers. No, no, definitely not. You you can you can still say well i'm going to uh, figure this out for you and uh, then go to your coworkers your mentor and and uh, or even google to uh, to find the answer to a question uh, you don't have to know it all but take responsibility and uh, that that's um i think that's that's the most important i check for uh, when interviewing candidates
2: so bill what what soft skills can you think of that we should talk about
1: well, I think the saying, you know, you only get one shot at a, a first impression is incredibly important, especially when it comes to soft skills. Uh, I think communication is one of those things, whether it's written or verbal, that you really need to work on. Um, especially with IT, it's not a sales job. But I think if you approach conversations, if you approach uh, some relationships, like not necessarily as a, as a sale, but as, you know, you're selling yourself in a lot of ways. So, um you know, how do you, uh, how do you communicate effectively when it's somebody who's maybe you're trying to explain, uh, a difficult, uh, problem you're, you're, you're having with a user and you need to learn how to, how to speak maybe on their level and, and explain the, the, uh, the issue so that they could understand it. I think that's, that's a soft skill that a lot of people don't have. You know, we start immediately. We want to jump to technical jargon, and that's just gonna go right over somebody's head. So figuring out how to talk to somebody at their level is incredibly important. Um, understanding the needs and pain points of other other departments or other business units in your organization's really important. Um, you know, what's a, a, a problem for you or what you don't see as a problem is not necessarily the true the the same for the person you're talking to. Um so those are two off the top of my head I can think of immediately.
2: Yeah, I'd say being able to talk to to outside of the IT department to talk to uh, finance and HR and those, those departments so they can understand is, is a huge soft skill.
4: Yeah. So, so uh, have you ever heard of the, uh, the Feynman uh, method or uh, Dr. Feynman's, well, he's got a principle saying that if you can uh, explain something in somebody else's, um, well, words, then you understand it better. It, it hits on this subject.
5: I kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in here because I think that uh, I I I love everybody talking about on being able to communicate with um, a bunch of different uh, listeners at you know at various levels, not just being able to to speak technically to your fellow engineers, but maybe speaking non technically to finance who holds the budget, or uh, you know explain why you you need money for whatever solution or a user who can't get the printer to work. Um, I think beyond that, or before that, um, we all need to do a better job. Uh, and this is a skill that I work on all the time is to learn to actively listen and listen to the person that you are talking to, um, and listen to what they're saying. So you you can't understand the situation until you actually, you know, uh, listen learn to listen and you know that means engaging with the person that you're talking to asking open-ended questions about the situation learning to ask the right questions about what's going on in order to be able to uh understand the situation i think you know uh for you know kind of as like the kind of engineering analogy in every troubleshooting scenario, there's always a process of discovery that you go through where you try to understand, um, you know, what is the current situation? So you issue a bunch of show commands and you take a look at the output of the show commands. Well, you go through that same process when you're talking to people as well, you just have to know what show commands that you have to, you have to issue. So you have to learn to ask the right questions. You have to learn to be able to um, translate what you get back from the person uh, into something that is you know, an accurate reflection of, of the problem that they're wrestling with.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes you don't have that, that help function that we have with the show commands. <laughs>
5: I know. Question mark, question mark.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so Mish, Mish while, I, while I've got you, I want to ask you, because you brought this up earlier about when we're looking at, you know, jobs and and the list of of items when you look at the skills required that men and women sometimes look at those differently
5: oh yeah um i know was it was it uh bill you had talked about looking at the the requirements for a job when you're going out for a job and i guess they've shown this in um in hr studies when you go out for a job and you take a look at the the job requirements of the posting. overwhelmingly women require to check more boxes for themselves personally before they'll actually apply for the job, uh, than men will. And so it's a rightly or wrongly, or for whatever reason, it's a, it ends up, uh, self-selecting fewer women in the applicant pool. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why there are fewer women in it, uh, in the first place. But uh, the there's a great uh, way to counter that is that uh, if you if you uh, are just n- number one, you could be just bolder and um, and apply for more jobs uh, with uh, for which you check fewer criteria um, But the better way to do that to get around that and um, just kind of and run around it, is to have a good networking, um, uh, of people. And, uh, I can't tell you the number of times, uh, where I've, uh, heard about a colleague or, um, you know, friends of mine who, who knew the hiring ma- knew the hiring manager, or like from in my own instance, in the current role I'm in, you know, somebody knew the hiring manager's director. And said, hey, I think I know somebody who can be in a good, who would be a good position. And it kind of trickled down until we found the hiring manager. You know, uh, I applied for that job, not even looking at what the the job description was (laughs) based on the conversations I had had over a cup of coffee with the hiring manager who had reached out to me and said, hey, somebody I know that we know in common told me I should talk to you. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and and I can I can tell you that you know for the majority of the time when a company puts out the list of requirements for a job, a lot of times HR is involved in that, and they throw things in there. Don't think you have to have all of those. Um, honestly, as being on both sides of of the the hiring process, I can tell you, when hiring, there's usually a couple things that the hiring manager is looking for, and if you have happen to have those, you're going to get a leg up as opposed to having everything.
5: And I and. And uh, from the other end of it, I get uh, recruiters emails uh, all the time and they send me some of the silliest things. I, I can't tell you that, I I, I get these like emails are like, we're looking for a junior engineer. You need to have a CC You need to have all of these credentials. You need to have, you know, five to seven years of experience. I'm like, that's just silly.
2: <laughs> you need to have 20 years experience in Kubernetes.
5: Yep, exactly. So, so, you
2: know, we're, we're, we're getting lower on time. I want to get to my last uh, question, and this is for all of you. And Juliana, I'm going to make you go first. So, you know, what was your first IT job and, and how did you move on from there?
3: Well, obviously, I was an IT intern, okay, a CIS admin. I worked with Linux and with a small network, and then I... Obviously, I continued studying, and I took my I moved for for another position for uh, network. It's me, network. No, 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 network engineer. But uh, it was a long time ago. But I, I have I had no choice because it was my my first opportunity, and I I didn't think a lot, you know. The first was was like that. The, the last I taught a lot. It was like one week.
4: Yeah, Michael. What about you? Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll focus on my first full time job. Right. I've been help desk as part time, uh, and I think everybody should work in help desk sometime. But my first full time job was uh, a junior engineer, and I worked as a contractor at a bank. Uh, well, being a contractor actually helps because it's it's a temporary um thing but the way uh i uh, moved up there is just like do the work and and do it all uh be eager um uh, even the the uh the boring stuff uh, uh make sure that you stand out let let people notice you don't be like uh in their face but l- let people notice you by doing uh your fair share right and and do it good.
1: My first job was literally at a little mom and pop IT shop. Uh I did everything from basic computer repair and tech support to standing up small wireless networks at like doc- doctor and dentist offices. So it was anything anything you wanted to pay them to do, they would they would take that that job and and send me out there um which was great because I got so much experience in a wide level, a wide range of uh technology and I kind of figured out what I liked doing. Um, and from there I kept learning and a lot of self taught stuff and just applied for jobs. I, I wasn't necessarily qualified for, uh, and, and that's how I, uh, I moved on.
2: So, so Mish, I'm not even trying to ask you this since it wasn't your <laughs> first job.
5: It wasn't my first job. No. Um, my first it job though. Um, I, um, I have a really, I guess, a really weird way of coming to it. So my first IT job was as a implementation engineer, uh, with Cisco ACI. And before I landed that job, I had spent the year previous to that, um, writing, uh, technical articles for the Cisco learning network volunteer. Uh, so I would, um, You know, I would listen on Cisco Learning Network, see what people were asking about, uh, see what I was asking about, lab it up, and then write it up. And I published about almost a dozen articles in that year, um, almost exclusively on ACI. And so then a recruiter had uh, reached out to a friend of mine and said, do you know, uh, who who was an ACI person and said, um, you know, we're having trouble filling this ACI position. And my friend said, well, I'm not looking, but I know someone. So he referred my name. The hiring man under Jur went and looked at my uh, articles, and uh, and called me up and said, hey, can can I have half an hour of your time? Uh, and he started the interview by saying, I've read your articles. We're not gonna we don't need to talk about your technical expertise. Um, and so that was how I landed my, my first job is I, I literally spent a year generating a resume online uh, of my technical expertise. It's, it, it has been a really fruitful uh, endeavor for me. I continue to write for the Cisco Learning Network. I love, I, I love being able to do that. And so for folks who are thinking, oh, well, why should I blog? You know, if you put a body of work out there that shows that you are able to communicate well, that you have a good grasp of the technology, that, uh, you know, that you're, you know, fun, maybe that you're that you're that you have an easy communication style, you know, it's going to pay off for you. So. Uh, like I said, my, my way of getting my first job in IT was really weird, but the just because it's weird does not mean it's not right. It didn't work.
2: Yeah, and, and, and plus, Mish, if you can put out pictures of your dog with that, that'd be great too. <laughs> yeah.
3: And Ivan, um, I think this could be a tech tip, an uh, important tech tip. Me and my friends from, from Tech Rebels, we got a lot of jobs and works because of the blog. Because True. people ask, oh, who is the big IP guy? So you recommend him and, okay, Kai, you are hired, you know? So I think it's an important tip.
2: Yeah, getting out there. I I will say, so So to answer the question for myself, I actually was doing computer sales in the early 90s. And, and I realized, I, I loved it because of the new technology. You get to see all that, but I realized I didn't like the people. So I, I like more the, the technical side of the house. Um. I will say that probably one of the funniest things was having the guy come in, and this was pre-95, pre-Windows 95, actually saying, I got the book for the do's, but not for the don'ts. And you have to be in IT a long time to understand that joke, because he had a book of, Michael, I can see that, he had a book of (laughs) DOS, not do's. So, Emily, how did you break into IT? I mean, your IT is a little different than what we do, but you're still in IT.
0: Yeah, I'm not really, I wouldn't consider myself technical, but I think it was just a series of fortunate events, to be honest. So I spent, um, I started my career in banking. uh, And when that industry imploded, I decided to go back to school. And so I started at an entry level position at Cisco, continued to move up, found myself in marketing. And once I graduated, it was a really easy transition.
2: So, so it sounds like some of the things we were saying that uh, part of it is who you know, part of it is where you're working, and, but part of it is you have to grab the reins yourself and, and take control of your future.
0: Yeah, to be honest, so before uh, working with you guys, I worked in events, um, and because I had worked with Lauren uh, on various projects, I was able to tell her, like, Lauren, if there's a position open on your team, I would love to make that transition. So closed mouths do not get fed. You you absolutely have to be vocal. Exactly. And now look at my job. We have the best job at Cisco.
2: And you get to deal with fun people like us.
5: Yeah. You definitely have to advocate for yourself. You always have to advocate for yourself. Yes. Because no one else going to do it.
0: I think with that, I think we're ready to wrap. This was a fantastic conversation. I'm looking forward to part three of this three part series. Um, To our listeners, if you want to continue your learning, we have curated some helpful resources. You're going to find those in the show notes below. And don't forget to subscribe or follow Cisco Champion Radio so you receive alerts on our latest releases. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. See you next week.